I'm doing the outro. You're doing the, I yeah, don't know. We've I'm going to do, I'm gonna do the intro. You'll do the outro because mm-hmm. that's what we're meant to do. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Squint. Welcome to the Poet Salon. Nope. I'm going to do that again. Nope. Welcome to the Poet Salon, a podcast where we talk to poets over a drink we've prepared especially for them. I'm Duji Tahat. I'm Luther Hughes. And I'm Gabrielle Bates. Last week, we talked with Jeffrey Davis about fishing, family, and failure. Three Fs. Hit you with the alliteration. This week, we asked him to bring in a poem by someone else for us to break bread over. Jeffrey chose the poem, Good Night, by Lee Young Lee. So... Let's dive in. Good night, by Liang Li. You stopped whispering and are asleep. I go on listening to apples drop in the grass beyond the window. Earlier, we tried to guess each fall's moment but neither kept up that little game of hope or fear for long. Now your weight against me is like, I was about to say, like no other, unmistakably human, my sons. But truth is, you're simply heft, burden like, say, grain. Your body brings my body pain. Your shoulders, knees, elbows, hands, lumpy like sacked fruit. And whatever concord is actual between us is not easily meant, but is so only by our diligence. I recall a far season of flowers when, for love, I crept to the edge of a roof to reach a petal-decked branch. It snapped. I dropped, screaming down sky and flowering. My father yelled my name, ran out to find me sprawled, dazed, gripping his crushed crushed gift thrust at him in my bloody fist. He plunges below us now, as we fall soundless toward him, our bodies crowded on your narrow bed, my arm and leg gone numb, your torso wedged between the wall and me. You sleep uncomfortably, though comforted by my presence, for which you cry some nights, and which you such nights endure. Where did you so young learn such sacrifice? Now I no longer hear the apples fall, but how they go, incessantly, though with no noise, no blunt announcements of their gravity. See, there is no bottom to the night, no end to our descent. We suffer each other to have each other a while. Mm. Can you talk about why you chose this poem for us? Yeah. Um, so I was doing a workshop with Katja and Erica about writing the family poem earlier this, this week. And we were choosing poems, some of the poems we were choosing had to do with giving us permission to write about the uncomfortable family poem, to to write the unromantic portrait of that connection and, and that bond. 
And so this, this was a poet early on for me that, that gave me permission to be honest about um, what wasn't working without it being outside of the range of claiming or um, recognizing one's bond to somebody. And so I just love the way in which this poem, in addition to sort of being at the, at the level of its content about the difficulty, the ways in which formally it manages the psychic strain of this. So it's in, uh, it's in couplets. It's not until one, two, three, four, five, six stanzas in that there's a kind of true pure rhyme, grain pain, not true, but pure grain pain, but then it's rhyming grain, which is sustenance with pain. Yeah. And so even in its musicality, when it gives itself permission, it's not outside the bounds of that discomfort. Um, the lines are uneven. Um, they're, they're tortured to call them couplets is a strain to call it mm. rhyme is a strain and then realize it's, it's slant rhyme. And so it, inv it, it invites you to, to call this rhyme and how difficult that is. I mean, even the first or, or let me see one, two, like four, like wait and say, which is a yeah. pretty much stretch, but like the weight of saying but there and, is an echo there. Yeah. yeah. And there's an, and there's a sort of intellect rhyme there too, or sort of, um, an idea between wait and say, mm. um, and yeah, I just, it, it, everywhere I sort of put pressure on this poem, it gives me something back that's about the central problem or one of the central problems that's driving it. And sometimes the lines are even, and it's like every now and then we get it, like we have yeah. a grace of this connection. So it's not without hope too, even though it has to be sort of hard earned, honest hope. Um, so it's a, it's a poem that kind of set an occasion or, or a, a possibility that at the time I, I was, I didn't feel like I could pull off of my poems. Yeah, it's funny you say that too. Like the two stanzas where they are even are the stanzas that are about the between, mm -hmm. right? Whatever concord is actually between us is, and yeah. then later between the wall and me, you sleep uncomfortably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm I'm curious. Um, like a lot of our previous conversation, I think, you know, <laughs> is like in this poem or like at least in my reading of the poem, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, yeah. like what about sort of sitting and suffering, which this poem invites us to do with the very last line mm -hmm. unlocks, uh, unlocks your ability to attend to the things that you are so curious about attending to. Yeah. Well, there's actually a funny story behind why I chose this poem too, or why <laughs> I returned to this poem. So I, misread this poem yes for years i love misreadings and taught it and misread it and it was so it was that last line when i first read this poem we suffer each other to have each other while was so resonant with me and at the time i wasn't a parent um and i in particular i was in a really sort of trying difficult relationship and i needed i needed that recognition that this is why maybe we stay in relationships that mm. are that are difficult for us, that are straining mm. us, that are making us qu question the value of being in a in a couple. Um, and I mean, and son is in the damn poem, right? <laughs> uh -huh. And so, and I was actually talking with um, Erica and Catch about this on the way, on the drive over here, where I've been telling this story a lot recently, where about this misreading. And I often tell my students is to kind of give them permission that sometimes a poem will reveal what you need about it over time and be patient, not to advocate for blatant misreadings, <laughs> right? It's clearly yeah. a relationship poem, but a father son poem. Um, but sometimes when we're writing our own poems too, like what the poem is trying to push you to look at takes time and patience. Um, and even if people can read it and say it, sometimes you ain't ready to see what the poem is trying to tell you. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, and it wasn't actually, so when I was, when we were driving over here, the thing we were talking about was suddenly I was like, I doubted my 
the story I was telling, which is it wasn't until I first held my son that I realized that this was a father-son poem. And I was like, that can't be true, right? That can't be true, <laughs> right? I'm, that's too romantic of a story. But the reason why I, it's true is because, so my wife and I experienced a miscarriage with our first pregnancy. And that miscarriage, um, both of us, uh, I mean, sent a wave of grief that we had to ride, experience, and come out the other end of, changed. Um, but it altered how I felt about the pregnancy that led to Carlos arriving here, where a part of me just wasn't holding on or wasn't letting go to the faith that he would get here until he was here. And the first time we, he was here and he started, like, I memorized this poem and still, like, mm. it's a little bit embarrassing, but um, <laughs> like I had, I had committed this poem to memory and it was when he, when, he, he, when he was here, it was the first time he cried. I didn't know what to do with my breath. And so I started reciting this poem to him and I was in the light, you know, a light that should have always been on went on. It was like, <laughs> this is a father son poem. Like, wow. Oh, um, so, and I also love the messiness of the work. So in addition to the form, there's that moment where he says, now your weight against me is like, and then yes. he catches himself about to romanticize yes. something that we know having, you know, been in relationships, you know, like there is romance, but it, these like resisting the courage to resist the romantic idea as the, as the, the most trustworthy expression of my love for you. Like sometimes being honest about the people are falling asleep on you and like, it's, it's all good the first few, you know, however many nights, but then all of a sudden you're like, is this, you know, like <laughs> I was more comfortable, you know, like maybe just, a, you know, and, and, and how do you tell someone that like, you know, I, this has nothing to do with you, but I'm gonna sleep on the couch because I just, I haven't been sleeping very well. And like, you know, just let me just refuel or something that uh -huh. like, that's, that seems risky because all our narratives, all our cultural, you know, myths and images um, kind of over overwrite this like this 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 discomfort. And for mm -hmm. anyone who's in a relationship, there's discomfort. Yeah, there's so much in this poem that resonates with your own work, Jeffrey, with the the son relationship and the father relationship and that intergenerational exchange mm. that's going on with the poem. Like one can't comprehend oneself in relation to a son without also invoking the father okay. and, and these inheritances that move in multiple directions. Um, and also, I mean, in our last conversation, in that failure essay, you were talking about reaching for beauty that just wasn't there. Mm. Um, and I, I hear beauty in, in quotes, mm. but, um, and in that moment where the poet is about to romanticize this moment of the weight and then swerves against himself, um, that also feels very in keeping with your impulses yeah. when you when you write poems um, yeah. in both writing beautiful language and also acknowledging when that desire is not matching up with reality. Yeah, I, I'm increasingly, so one of the, terms that I come back to when thinking about voice um, is integrity and uh, less in the sort of positive sense of like how do we know it has integrity but to sort of where's the poem admitting the limits of what it's saying and there that sort of falter reminds us that this is some this is a poem and a speaker trying to figure it out and there are limits to understanding and there are missteps that might happen so I love a poem that that reminds me and is blatant about uh, the sort of limits of of its confidence, of its precision, of its knowing where to go next. Yeah. I think on um, beauty in quotes, this poem is very, very beautiful, right? Um, 
and I think about this poem as like a false lullaby, right? The 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 rhymes are slant. Nothing's perfect about it. The 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 couplets are irregular. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called good night, right? And there's just like again, it's like this move towards wanting to be romantic quotes, romantic, mm-hmm. um, but then moving against it. And so for me, it's like kind of underlining that false beauty and that false kind of like lulling to sleep. Yeah. Um, and then ju- there's this loving moment where it says see by itself, right? Like mm-hmm. see, yeah. I am also flawed. This poem is flawed, but yeah. let's keep going anyway, yeah. right? There's no bottom to this flawedness, yeah. right? And I love that so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, no, just th- that that's my favorite stanza right after, right? There is no bottom to the night, no mm-hmm. end to our descent, yeah. which like points at like the lulling. Right, like the whole thing is just the lull. It's this endless, yeah. And that that's happening lull. at the end of the poem. Yeah. Well, then even if you think about the sort of like the good night placeness and the place and and the placeness of the first two stanzas, like it's addressing the child, but the child is asleep. Right. So, yeah. what's the value of a lullaby when the child is asleep? So, who's yes. the lullaby really for? Right. It's, yes. It's to it's to the son, but it's for the father. The father. Right. And then even that C, that punctuation mark is a is a there's a peak in the voice and so i love the mary rufo quote that's something like um uh, a bang or a whimper a cry or a whisper no matter what in order to be heard we have to learn how to or we have to know how to raise our voice and how to lower it and so this voice like this poem yes. I'm, i butcher that it's something <laughs> of that no that was um, gorgeous and uh, but this poem risks that it you know it's in a it's whispering it starts whispering the child is asleep and it has to have it has to use this sort of um invented kind of um, like slight almost epistolary but also lyric self um and so that 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 sort of falseness of of the context right a, a lullaby for a child that's asleep it makes you wonder who it's who it's for i was in a workshop not long ago with the poet dante michaud and he was talking about the lyric poem no i uh, love dante. and the lyric i What's yeah up, dante? i love dante hey, dante. Too. hey mm-hmm. hope you're listening um and he was talking about how every lyric poem is to the self. Mm-hmm. Like there can be an imagined audience in mind, but at yeah. the end of the day, a lyric poem is always to the yeah. self. And I love this idea of this poem as like a lullaby to the self. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about this a lot. So I've been writing, the new work I've been doing is these epistolary poems um, to the sleeping beloved. And in doing uh, this sort of, you know, metaphorical sleep and actual sleep. If I'm thinking more about how even the, the epistolary form is a lyric form, yeah, right? You're kind of definitely. imagining this relationship with the other, you're internalizing this togetherness, right? It's a creating a future intimacy when the letter is sent, you know, or the letter is read. Um, so I love, you know, the lyric is, of course, as we know, sort of moves through genres, but it's always interesting when I see a, a genre that thinks it's not lyric and you're like, oh, really? Surprise. <laughs> Word. <laughs> Do you have a favorite part of this poem? Like the one besides the, the last line that that <laughs> that, that catches this poem in my life with the wrong reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I really do. I think it's that 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 messiness of the sort of flinch of catching the voice, trying to claim something that you already know you don't believe. Right. So now your weight against me is like I was like that that putting in the messiness of the work. I mean, this is often something I think about with books in general and poems in general, especially for writers um, or excuse me, readers who aren't writers. Mm. Um, one of the meanest things I've said to a reader, and this is like early, it don't mean it ain't mean, but early on in my writing and I was having a bad day uh, for a whole host of reasons. 
And a friend came up and just said, like, you're so lucky. You just write these poems. Mm. And I said, you don't know what you're talking about. And like, I mean, I went back and apologized and was like, hey, I was in a bad mood. Um, but there's something about the making of art or, or the reception of art and the production of art that erases, you're talking about this earlier, erases all like the, the boring everyday alone, the, 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 the grit, the failure of it. Um, and so I love a poem that, that puts that at the foreground of its, of its um, exchange with the reader. And it's something, it's why whenever I have editors make suggestions in poems, like I, I, I love the collaborative nature of it um, because it's a, it's a reminder of how organic and ongoing and how not singular the sort of art is and how messy it can be. Um, I, I mean, I love messiness. So yeah, so yeah that, I think of all the moments, that, that's the one that gives me the most permission. I'm curious about... Um, for you and like you're thinking of like telling truth through art if like sort of this slant approach to telling truth is like necessary to tell the truth because i mean even in this poem you know to your point like it's an epistolary to a sleeping child yeah, so yeah. it's like not really an epistolary mm -hmm. there's a bunch of slant rhymes yeah. the lines are like all jagged mm -hmm. like do you have to have some of that messiness to like get at the truth like can something be like perfectly constructed and be truthful so the, uh, an essay I, I come back to a lot is uh, Chris Abani's, oh, I love Chris, what's up Chris? <laughs> um, Chris Abani's painting a body of loss and love in the proximity of an aesthetic or something like that. It's a long title, yeah. but uh, it's, on the, it's on the Millions site. And he talks about uh, the importance of grounding art in uh, the reality of approximation, right? Mm -hmm. um, and he, in, in, in the piece, he talks also about um, how wounds play a role, not always dramatic or large, um, but how having a wound, like wanting to renegotiate the, the nature of your own experience by making a story is and kind of inherently wanting right, to, to, to renegotiate that you had an experience. Mm -hmm. right? And so, um, and he kind of cautions against thinking the job of the artist. And now I'm kind of like, partly riffing on his and part introducing my own, my own ideas. Um, but I think, I think sometimes as writers, we think our job is to look our wounds square, squarely. Um, and, or, or to, to, and, and I think that's, uh, or, or to, to be comfortable with a kind of dangerous putting yourself on the line. And I, and I think and this is why we're losing so many of our, art heroes is we don't ask them to come back with the art that they bring back, right? That we don't believe and honor the breath that it took to put this art into the world as much as we value the art. And I always want to tell writers I'm working with, I need you to show me the song that means you come back. Like I need you to go there, but I need you to come back. Mm -hmm. And I think approximation is that sort of, uh, that's, that's how you come back. Um, I think, and also like in the piece he, he talks about that, like we all know you can't really invite someone into your experience. All we ever really have is approximation. And, and so sometimes the goal is that sort of one-to-one -one, and that's a, a sort of flinch. And it's a beautiful prayer to want one day to have someone know, mm -hmm. but if we can get lulled in that prayer, we can, we can leave ourselves at the margin of our work. And I, I, I like, I renounce that, that equation of what art is after. There's a part in the poem we haven't really discussed that I kind of want us to, like, you know, highlight. And it's the point where the sun has fallen from 
the roof. Um, and like the collapse of the sun being like the fruit, the apple, right, falling to the roof, falling from the roof, right? And kind of that whole, again, that collapse of the sun being a consumed item. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk about that and kind of want to know how y'all feel about that kind of aspect of the poem. Well, I mean, but that's also it, right? Reaching for the the object of expression of love and falling right and 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 still wanting this exchange like there's a risk that that so i mean the poem the speaker at least i choose to read that the it's not like i jumped from the roof right, to right. grab it right yeah. and so there like sometimes in the effort to stay on the roof we get it wrong and we tumble off of it but for 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 me that seems somewhat connected to what we were just talking about with mm-hmm. like the, so, so so often we be like i'm going to jump off this roof to grab this flower for you and now as a reader <laughs> you come down and take it out of my gone hand and that's like like what kind of model of care is that it's unsustainable mm. undesirable perhaps um but i think it also i mean i think this toes perhaps the right like sometimes we fall unintentionally um and sometimes we have mythic figures in our lives that make us stretch further than we ought to right so this is about a love for the father um so this is in his um the book uh, the city in which i love you um and sometimes and so so, so often I, I talk about the, the sort of mythic nature of words that we use for loved ones, you know, father, mother, son, um, daughter, sibling, friend, lover. And that may be part of what art can do is sort of excavate the mythic nature so we can have actual everyday moves that don't risk our, our safety and our health. Right? That sometimes you reach further than you know you should because you, know, you don't believe this person sees you or hears you mm-hmm. or hears that you love them, right? Yeah. And there's like a really beautiful irony in this poem and in that where like in reaching for a thing to demonstrate that you love them, you become the beloved by falling, yeah. right? Like it, like the yeah. I here enacts, yeah. um, becomes the object yeah. of that love. And it's only in that sort of like failure that you see that you invite the opportunity for that mythic figure to demonstrate mm. that. Yeah. But, but then the father yells, right? right? The, like the father's like, watch out, son, right. what you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? So as the father, like sometimes we, we have a sort of dual literacy of what's going on, the, the transaction where mm. this is me love and the father's like, you know, and that's, again, that, that's the father's love and the love isn't the gift or, or the, so you have the reaching, like beautifully, they're actually both lead to like love, right? So you have the reach and the risk of the self that means love. And then you have the father yelling. Yelling his name. Yelling his name. That's also about the risk, but about the cost of the risk, not Mm. the product of the risk. You know what I mean? So like he, he thinks the product of the risk is what will lead to the expression. And it's like, no, no, the, or the, the product being the flower Mm -hmm. and the father's like, no, the product of you falling on this ground. And now you're, you know, you're risking your life. There's something very, very Adonic, very Adam and Eve about mm. all of it, right? The apple, right? Um, the father can be being mythic and godly, like, you know, kind of, what, what what are you doing? Why are you acting this way? And then like, well, I thought this was love. I thought this was understanding. I thought this yeah. was knowledge. Why, yeah. can I, why can I do this for you? Yeah. And something very mm-hmm. kind of humbling about that experience, right? I feel like ch- father and child, mother, daughter, whatever kind of thing is always like that kind of godly yeah. kind of relationship. And so this kind of ignites that Again, that Adam and Eve type of relationship. Yeah, right? it's, it's it's great. Yeah, and Lee has talked about that—the the, like sort of um, trying to uh, get 
traction on the godlike natures mm. uh, to understand it, but also to resist it. Because mm. sometimes godlike figures can be too influ- too influential, right? Which is kind of what this is about too. Like the godlike influence made this risk happen. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Lee Young Lee. Lee Young Lee. Thank you to Jeffrey for hanging out with us, singing a line of You Are My Sunshine and making me cry. And thank you to you, beautiful listeners, for inhabiting the space with us and giving us the gift of your attention. We love all the sweet notes and reviews you've been writing us. Keep them up. If you're into what we're doing and you haven't hit that subscribe button, what are you waiting for? What? Do it. And while you're at it, drop us a quick five-star rating, which will help other folks who are searching for poetry podcasts find us. Five stars. (laughs) Lastly, follow us on Twitter at Poet Salon Pod and send along your questions, musings, favorite poems, favorite poetry dramas, etc. to thepoetsalonpod at gmail.com. You wanna weaponize this? Gonna show you these hands. Gonna take on these streets. Gonna show you who's man's. Cause my crew mob steady. Feddy and spaghetti. Feddy and spaghetti. Feddy in the.